Innovation is in our veins. Soon the whole world will know our names. Sharing our knowledge and freedom reign. We here for the people, you know it's our way. Setting foundations is part of the dream. It doesn't matter if you're new to the game. Listen up now, cause we all gon' say. Ugh. Elevate, 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 higher, elevate, 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 higher. We gon' rise up, we all gon' shine. Work through adversity, stay on the grind. Elevate, elevate, this is our time. Elevate, elevate. Welcome to Elevate Podcast, everyone. It's so great to have you all on one more time. It's your boy, Josh. Dalton. And Merry Christmas to you, sucker. Merry Christmas. Here we <laughs> go. There is a lot to get into this week, as per usual. I always say that every week, but there is literally a lot. I was talking to Dalton. We were chatting before <laughs> the show. every week, too. <laughs> where I'm like, I, I felt very overwhelmed uh, of what we needed. Of stu- There's a, a plethora of things to talk about, and it's like hard to choose just one. Uh, but here we are. Here we are, man. It's um, shout out to all the homies that are just overwhelmed, man. Yeah, it just uh, things happen. Hundred percent. You know, you gotta go with the what is it? Ebbs and flows. Is that the? We love the ebbs and flows. Yeah, yeah man. You're right. You, you can't. You can't, can't only be great. Yeah, that's a good point. How do you define greatness if there's no uh, rough times? Ah, How yeah. do you know what greatness is? True. It's a great point. You know. Yeah. So it's all part of life. We're here for it, and uh, you know, I wanted to take some time off at the start of the show. There are people, again, there's this whole comment function on our Spotify. Yeah, there is. People use it. And people use it. Yeah. So I figured we, I've, I, <laughs> I keep forgetting to like chat, shout these people out because you deserve it. it. Um, but there's a, we're going to go back to like just our, you know, a couple episodes ago. Uh, we got Mr. Jamie Marie. Um, oh my gosh. I had my Insta hack last year. This goes back to your story. Oh yeah. And, uh, I haven't got it back and uh, I still haven't got it back. And they straight up pretended to me, uh, they straight up pretended to be me to get money for my friends. Government didn't do anything. What's all our stuff online and they want all of our stuff online. No, thank you. Dude, a hundred percent. And, um, Rest in peace. You don't have your Instagram back. Yeah, <laughs> that's a long time. Yeah. And I'll be honest, like these influencers that we talked about in that episode, I think the only reason they got their account back is because they had a, a verified account on TikTok and they were adding Instagram. So yeah. I feel like the, you know Instagram's not looking for the like little guys. But I think like if a verified creator is like, what's going on? That's the only way to get their attention. Yeah, because you can't just hit up like Instagram doesn't have a contact form. I don't think. No, you need. It's not like you have like Zuck's number. number. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Hey Zuck, what's going on, dog? Please, please unhack my account. Yeah. (laughs) Please let me back on my fifty followers. That's true. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I guess that's like digital warfare now, right? Like just overhaul, like blackmailing, overhauling people's accounts, like. That can happen. Yeah. <laughs> or like just like they brute force their way in. I don't know how they do it, but, and then they get it banned. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, huh. Didn't know how, like, yeah, it's, it's an odd time. And uh, I hope that never happens to us. Yeah, I know. Like, should we set up two-factor authentication? Yeah, probably. Yeah. <laughs> probably. Uh, but yeah, it's, uh, I, I get some sometimes I get thrown off because like even even the the transition we saw between social platforms, like I remember when Facebook was a big thing, and obviously it's always been a numbers game since, since whatever. But um, when on Facebook first started, it was like how many friend connections can I have, and you know look at all the friends I have, and this that the other. Dude, why are you saying this right now? This is crazy. Yeah, keep going. Yeah, and so and then when it transitioned to just like essentially Twitter introduced this. Uh, what it came, became about followers, and it didn't really matter if you followed anyone back. It all became about the number of followers you had. Yes, which I thought was really odd. 
Dude, I because like all my accounts that I have, like my Facebook, Instagram, I don't even really use Twitter, so I won't say, but Facebook and Instagram, I created those when I was in junior high school. So obviously it was like, at one point I had a huge Facebook friend list because I just added anyone. And then on my Instagram list, I had like, it was like, I remember in high school everyone would talk about their ratio. Oh, yeah. Like your, your, your ratio. And, and like that mattered back then, mm-hmm. heavy. And then I'm now 23 and I was looking at who follows me and I was like, ugh. <laughs> I don't know any of you. And the people I do know, I don't want you to see my life anyway. I removed like 400 followers the other day. I was like, I have like 100 some odd followers now. And I follow like, and it's just so funny how that change happened like in my brain where like, now I'm like, why does it matter? Right. Why, why, why was I so bent out of shape about that? But the Facebook one was a little more serious because you can add more information to a Facebook profile. Like, And then I looked at my friend list and I was like, <laughs> there's people from I don't even know like I had them off of Farmville like <laughs> as a kid like I'm like how do these people get on my friends list like that's dangerous dude 100% and I actually do think it's also a tribute to your time of life like when you're a kid it really is about social status and how many oh, people you know yeah. popularity yes. right because um, I felt the same way as I got older it was like you know I, 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 I just pur- want friends yeah <laughs> I, I purged like 75% of my f- friend list I was like I'm dumb like it was just removed all the like on Facebook, like where you live, where you're from, like take that all down. That yeah. does not need to be on the internet, folks. <laughs> that does not. Facebook's actually removing the, like the hometown thing. Oh, is it? They're taking away like location data from profiles. Good. Like, yeah, I agree. It's like, what was that part of our? And then like you could put on there your gender, what you're interested in, and, like then your religion. Yeah. Like looking back now, I'm like, wow, we really just put it all out on the internet, yeah. and now we're shocked that. These tech companies know so much about us. We <laughs> gave it to them. Yeah. <laughs> we gave everything to them. So I want everyone to know. Yeah. Like, you can even go back to like the OG Facebook profile and just like how just plain vanilla it was, but it was like straight uh, to the point. It was just yeah. Like, there was just like the running feed down the middle. Yeah. You could poke people. Oh, yeah. That's even that. That's even that was the second iteration. Yeah. Yeah. I remember the first big change they made. Mm-hmm. I remember, oh, man, people lost their minds. And everyone said, put my Facebook profile back. And then people would, like, join the page. And it's yeah. like, I want the old Facebook page back. <laughs> I like love it. Every single social media app, uh, as soon as they change a little thing, it's like, I hate this. And give it two weeks. And like, ah, oh, it's okay. It's and, right. and people who post are like, I, and all caps, of course, all caps. I do not give Facebook permission to use, sell, or buy my pictures. It is my property. Like, yeah. <laughs> what are you doing? Like you check the terms of service. Yeah, dog, you, read you that 300-page yes. document yeah. when you signed up. They own you. Yeah. <laughs> and your pictures of your kids that you keep posting. Dude, that's such another, like, the amount of influencers that even I see that, like, will post their kids. Do you know who someone who's, Ethan Klein, as much as I don't like him, yeah. does not show his kid's face once Good. they're past a certain age because yeah. he's like, then they become identifiable. And it's the he's the creator I saw do that, and I was like, "That's smart." They they don't need to be on the internet, you know. Their pictures don't your baby pictures don't need to be on Facebook, especially not all this stuff with like child pornography is coming to the surface yeah. now. It's just like, yeah, not playing that, not playing those freaking games. And like the something so harmless is like the back to school pictures where kids will hold up a little chalkboard that shows their name, where they live, and their birthday. Yeah, it's like, whoa! You just <laughs> just put that right out there for everyone. That's crazy. Yeah, we'd love to see that, eh? Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's um, it's it's interesting how much is online. There was a video I saw just yesterday um, regarding 23andMe mm-hmm. and, like, Ancestry, but the, um, like, the DNA testing where you submit a test tube back. Did you see it? 
Mm, I think I think I know where you're going, but I didn't see this particular video. So, Twenty Three and Me met with um, a bunch of TV producers, and they invited eight people randomly, and there was a celebrity there. And basically, Twenty Three and Me wanted to create a game show of guess of of like competing slash guessing of which of the contestants is related to the celebrity, and they all show up, and then they were like, okay. Well, how do you know that we're supposed to be here? And they were like, "Well, we have your DNA in our system, and we know you're related. Like one of you is related to the celebrity." And then one guy was like, "I've never done one of these tests." And they said, "No, but both your parents and your sister have, so we know that you must be too." Nope, <laughs> dog, screw off. <laughs> so they're just holding that. And another thing I'm seeing, and then I'm done my rant is there's these companies that will do gene testing to see if you're predisposed to like dementia or certain types of cancer. And the way they do it is they'll like, they'll say, um, do you need a DNA test kit? Yes or no, because I've already completed a 23andMe. You can just log into your 23andMe and import your DNA results. It's just sitting on the internet somewhere. You just connect them and they'll send it over or whatever. And then you can just, yeah, then you can learn if you have, we'll, we'll have dementia. Dang. And I'm not an overly, like, here's the thing. I'm not, like, I'm not, I wouldn't toss myself in, like, the overly extreme religious person. Uh, but I'll use the term, that feels like playing God. Mm. I don't want to know. Right. I, I, I'll, I'll go the old-fashioned way about determining if I have dementia. Mm -hmm. I don't need to know now. I thought like that's like a waiting for a time bomb to go off. Right. That's weird to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not, it's not, it's not, there's something to be said about that. You know, it's like the age of life. You knew what day you would die. Would you, would you want to know? Right. I'm like, yeah, not really. No, I I'm don't want to know. Yeah, it's tomorrow. It's tomorrow. But I'm not going to, like, yeah, it's kind of live with it looming over your head. So what, I'm just going to live waiting to forget everything? Yeah. Then the day comes. And you, you're like. You don't realize <laughs> the day came? <laughs> yeah. Like, what's the, yeah, it's just, I, I don't get it. Yeah. And it's like, not free either. Like, you have to pay to no. figure out if you're going to have diseases. Like, it's just. It's super strange. Anyway, yeah, I know that uh, that question of asking is like, oh, if you know when you die, like, mm. would you change your life? Uh, I'm doing just one of my final projects. That's like one I have everyone like fill out a questionnaire because uh. it's about people in their relationship with death, right. and that's one of the questions that they fill out as well as how uh, would you feel about being immortal? It's like, would you oh. like being immortal or would you not want to be immortal? So I'll raise that question to both of you right now. Oh, dog, I would not want to be immortal. No chance. I don't think my mental health could stand watching everyone around me die. And then I'm just like, and I just have to go through cycles of life with meeting new people and then them dying. I think that would like tear me up. Absolutely. After I think the second time it'd be, I'd be done. Like uh, people have brought the, the issue is like, could you, would you, in what form would you want to be immortal? Are you immortal as a 20 year old? Were you mortal as a 60-year-old? I don't know. I've never been 60. Oh, right. What if that's really fun? Like, what if when I'm 60, that's the, what if what if 60 is my prime? Mm. I don't know. Well, it could be your prime in terms of, like, career, sure. But, like, in terms of physical ability, I don't think 60 is going to be your prime. No, maybe not. But it, but I guess that depends on, I suppose, the lifestyle that you would want to be immortal with. Ah, uh, yeah. Right? Because it's like if you're 60 and you've made it financially, that may be better off than being physically able and broke when you're 20. Mm. Unless you're very, but also what makes you happier? Yeah, but also you're immortal, so you've had so much time, so now you're just a 20-year-old forever, so it doesn't mean necessarily mean you're going to be broke. Oh, I suppose immortal doesn't mean you're stuck in the same day. No. Right. You just don't age. Weird. 
I feel like someone's working on that. Like Elon Musk is definitely working on Neuralink, that. hello. Do you think, but do you, so like, I know he said within 10 years he wants to be putting these chips into people. And we've talked about this on the show before. In six months he's going to be. I saw that the other day. So what's that mean? Uh, I, I don't know. It freaks me out. That's crazy. And anyone who's volunteered to be the, like a test subject, good luck. Because that ain't going to be me. They're putting like a, like, a, just, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. I would be interested to see, like, it. I know Andy Baxter's going to there, man. (laughs) (laughs) Seriously. You're not putting a chip in my brain. (laughs) But, like, just the whole idea of him saying, like, quadriplegic could walk. I mean, that's a bold statement. That's a very bold statement. Uh, Yeah. I want to see if he can do it. Because that would be something. But it's like, you know, you get to the point where we've had these issues. We've been talking about it. Is the government controlling everything in your life? Would you really want, you know. A digital chip. Yeah, you can controlled hack an by a private company. Yeah, like what if someone hacks my chip? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> then what? Uh, they just turn off my legs. Deleted. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> you didn't pay for that feature. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, you wanted to walk? Sorry. That's a monthly subscription. Yeah, it's like Netflix. <laughs> your li- your 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 life experience is not ad free. You got the, you got the free trial, uh, but if you want to continue this experience, please hit everything around you is a paywall. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Listen, it's it could happen. It could happen. That's like some mad scientist stuff. Not a fan. And Elon Musk is literally. Well, that's the thing with this whole Elon Musk and Twitter thing is like he wants to turn it into like WeChat in the China. Like, it's cool for now like, in terms of him like doing all free speech stuff. Mm-hmm. But like, I don't see it going well long term. Personally, someone's gonna be upset. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And the fact he's trying to like incorporate uh, like ways to purchase things and like he's trying to build it so like everyone in his life has to go through twitter mm. i'm like eh, i'm all right the one thing i will give him credit for though is how much he can get done in such a short amount of time I, yeah 100 <laughs> percent. and the changes may seem negligible but i would say like from the two of us with background in like development and design like these features are rolling out quite quickly mm-hmm. like in days yeah yeah at a at a product that's like it's Twitter. It's not like, yeah. it's nothing I've ever worked on that's like Twitter. Yeah. Like, that's huge. 100%. Well, we'll see where it goes, right? I'd be, um, it's obviously, it's like just a, essentially a team of engineers at this point that are just like just pushing out code at this point. He installed bedrooms. Did he? In the, in the San Francisco office, six bedrooms a floor. It's got a bed, a carpet, a nightstand, For a dresser, real. and there's like four to six per floor. But no one knows why yet. I'm like, well, it's a bedroom. <laughs> Dude, that's brutal. So I guess you can sleep in the Twitter office now. You want to be a tweep. <laughs> oh, that's the cost. Yeah, man. It's like, because that's how he works. Like, I mean, he's worked in like every, every like that's been his shtick. Like, I lived in the PayPal office. <laughs> I lived in the desk office. Like, that's his thing. Mm-hmm. So I think that's just how he works. Yep, and it makes me think, like, in terms of all the changes that have happened and the way they've happened and the fact they've been able to take on such a huge user load on top of making all these changes, Mm -hmm. it just makes you think how inefficient the original employees were. hundred percent, when that's, like, the the, 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 we spoke, I think think we spoke about this, too, when the headlines would say, like, 70% of the workforce laid off or something. Yeah. But it's still operating like a well-oiled machine. Mm Mm-hmm. So from a, like that's what businesses do when yeah. you're no longer needed, you get laid off. That's I mean it's that's what happens, yeah. you know. And I think it just is so easily maybe demonized in this case because it's Twitter and it's Elon Musk, but it's normal business behavior to lay people off. Yeah, I mean, well, we'll be honest. 
if Elon Musk was coming from a left-wing perspective, I don't think there'd be so many hit pieces on him. <laughs> no. You would, yeah, they just... No, if, if, if Elon more. Musk had, like, was someone on the left, like, taking over a charity that touched everyone's lives pretty much every day and had the ability to control narratives and went in and cleaned it up, he'd be a god. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, I mean, he already was, right? To the left, because he stayed out of politics. Everyone's like, oh, he's the he's the leader of the green future, and he's awesome. And yeah. And then the minute he, he takes, he takes a, stand, a stance on free, pe- free speech. Yeah. That's all he took a stance on, really. Mm-hmm. He didn't take a stance with a political party. No. But that, apparently, free speech is... It's not very... Uh, people a, don't like it. Is a political view? Yeah. Uh, I, th- I thought we all, as, you know, people live in the free world... We're supposed to enjoy and agree that free speech is what we want. No. (laughs) But it seems that way. It feels like no. Um, You know, um, that's a lot. It doesn't really feel like that for me, I will say. I mean, we remain pretty uncensored. Um, I think by nature of the lives that we have, it's like no one's really got a thumb on us, like Mm -hmm. in our careers or in our personal lives. But um, I mean, there get, are get there, big enough though. Yeah, there are business people and politicians and companies that are either the one with the thumb or the one that are getting the thumb placed on them. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it's not that hard to have it happen. Absolutely. And it certainly happens in a city as small as Halifax. Totally. I mean, even all stuff that came out on Twitter, like just this past week, this wasn't our plan to talk about, but it is interesting. Yeah. All the stuff that came out with the FBI and the collusion between the Democrat Party and is this about JFK? Well, oh, no. that's the CIA stuff. That, oh, we can get into that, too. Oh, yeah. Oh, dude, the government's been spilling it this week, man. Dude, they're falling apart, you know? And so, obviously, we, all this stuff has come out on the Hunter Biden issue, which we all knew the Democrats were censoring uh, with the help of Twitter. They literally said, please make sure this gets removed whenever it's sent to other people. Yeah. <laughs> like, in an email. <laughs> Straight up. But it was the... It was Isn't kind- the rule of Sopranos that you phone call people? Like, you don't put it in writing. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> it just shows you how, like... Nothing will happen to us. We can do We're it. untouchable. That's such an untouchable behavior. It's an arrogant place to be. And it's like if, I'm, if I was up to something shady, like you I, you would never put it in writing. No. Are you kidding? <laughs> what? It's like no, and this is where it gets into kind of what we'll be get talking tonight is just the the um digital but cold civil war that we're in. Mm. You know, people at Twitter thought they're doing the right thing. They're like, "No, we can't allow this to get out." Because we need the right guy to get into office. Yes. If, if, if the truth gets out, when it's the truth, mm. it will mean that the person we want in power won't get in power. Exactly. That's so that voter fraud. Yeah. <laughs> if you want to talk about voter fraud, like what? Yeah. Or, or the very least voter suppression. Yeah. And uh, and that's kind of like, and in, if you're in, in your mind, you're working at Twitter, you're, you're in Silicon Valley. You know, you are living the life. You are, yeah. You're doing, but you're also living in a very leftist culture. And in your oh, mind, yeah. true, like if if in your real world you think Trump is the second coming of Hitler, of course you're gonna do whatever it takes to make sure you tip the scales, make sure he's not doesn't get back in. I wonder what life at Twitter felt like for someone who was not liberal. I wonder how that went yeah, that's for them. Question. Like, I wonder if they were. I wonder how they felt. I'm sure they couldn't feel like they could express their views. Oh, certainly not. There was an interview with Dana White, and I I take pretty much everything he says with a grain of salt as well. Yeah. But he made it, I think, to me, which was a valid point, which was 
you know, if we meet for the first time and one of your initial questions is who did I vote for? What are my political views? I don't really wish to get to know you. Um, it, cause, and not because it's not because of who you vote for, it's because of how you carry yourself. And it's just like, when, when did this all become about like in your job? Like uh, we were never supposed to mix church and state and you were talking about politics and money. And it's like, when all of a sudden did politics in your job become synonymous? Right. Like uh, I, I never thought your, your political leaning would have a, anything to do with where you get a job or how you feel at a job you currently have. Shouldn't matter. Yeah. You're doing a job. Definitely. And if you just check it at the door, no one should be talking about it. Yeah. I mean, um, let's be honest, like, um, like doing the show, I was scared when I went back into the full-time workforce. Um, right. I was like, Hey, I don't publicize that we do this show at work. hundred percent. No. Yeah. You know, but like there's been a good chunk of people who've discovered us and I'm like, Oh boy, I don't like <laughs> what this. What did you think? Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to hear anything from you. <laughs> um, just pretend you didn't hear anything. And, uh, but yeah, it's just like, you're right. Like you have to be so watchful. Um, and, and it's a, it's, it's a weird time to be alive. I think this goes actually, I think this will go well into the Rachel Gilmore story. So we'll jump into that. Yeah. Um, so this woman is a, a very much a, a left leaning journalist yeah. who has been getting attacked. Um, and, and we'll kind of, play like the first tiktok she's kind of publicizing everyone who's kind of giving her a lot of hate email and mm -hmm. things they're wishing upon her we'll let her kind of speak in her own words of what she's dealing with and how she's dealing with it i'm a female reporter and i have been receiving death threats for months now my dms my replies on twitter my emails this is what they look like every day and it's not just me people are targeting female and especially women of color journalists trying to silence our voices. Myself and my colleagues Erica and Saba have been on the receiving end of these for months and we've reported it to the police and so far nothing has happened. Meanwhile we've been told that our photos were plastered to the wall of a garage and they were deciding which one of us they wanted to kill. And we're told that we're being stalked and I don't feel safe leaving my house anymore. Every day it's like this. Every day. When right-wing influencers talk about me, I get another one. There is racist, misogynistic, disgusting, and threatening language in all of them. And our only crime is doing journalism. Free press is under attack. And people need to pay attention and do something about it. Jeez, the little first picture says you better watch your back in public. Yeah. <laughs> I'll kill you. <laughs> That's nuts. And so the reason why we bring this up is because obviously those of us who think a little bit more right-leaning, we definitely feel unsafe to express our views. Um, but people on the left are going through something similar where just normal people are getting caught between two extreme ideologies. Um, and we are also then in turn being pinned against each other, which right. shouldn't which be Which has happening. been the theme of the last two years. Exactly. <laughs> three, exactly. Three, I guess. And so with this woman, Rachel, um, I'm not a huge fan of her work. You know, she is largely left-leaning. Um, and Which is your God-given right. Yeah. <laughs> you don't have to like her. Yeah, exactly. Um, but more so kind of like, obviously, I don't think any journalist in this country should be dealing with threats. Um, I don't think they should be dealing with the hatred that she's perceived. Uh, I think it's wrong. Well, I think 100%. Like, just because we maybe have a political view does not mean that there's another side of the story that shouldn't be reported on. Yeah. Um, 
<laughs> and this should, you know, it's like, and it's, I feel like it's such a typical right wing fashion to say like, um, I, 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 I don't have free speech and people are, are attacking me and it's hard for me. And then them turn a blind eye to the left mm-hmm. where it's like, it, it, it's no good when it happens to anyone. <laughs> we should all have free speech. Mm-hmm. Um, and to say that they're going to plaster her picture on a garage wall and like figure out which one they want to kill first. Like who would feel safe going outside? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And, uh, and, th- and that's a left-leaning reporter. And like, again, this is the issue I have though, is like, you know, with Rachel, I get it. It is, it is da- downright spooky. Um, I just, I'm trying to figure out where she lands. Does she land in the spot of like, she knows what she's doing and she's manipulating for views mm-hmm. or does she not fully grasp what she is engaged in, in terms of a political battle? Uh, Cause you go through her work. She's always writes very favorably of the prime minister. You'll never see her write anything bad about the prime minister or anything that's even semi unflattering. Right. You can tell she leans a specific way. Uh, and she, her stuff is the one that gets a lot of clicks in this country. Right. Um, and I think the issue is, I don't think she realizes that she's protecting a man that is putting a lot of people under his boot yes. and hurting a lot of Canadians. People are going, are starving. People are going homeless because of his policies and because of his takes on things. And he's divided our country in a huge way because of his rhetoric and people who protect him are going to get wrecked. Because people are very unhappy to a point where they will threaten physical violence. Yes. And I don't think, and I think I'm going to give her the benefit of the doubt on this. I just don't think she realizes as a journalist what the battle she's engaged in. Right. And, and I will say it's like, yes, she has engaged in a battle that is emotion invoking for pretty much everyone. Yeah. The emotions are not justified though. The emotion of killing someone obviously is not justified. Um, but I, I, in in a way it's like, you know, when you listen in the past three years to, um, people on the left speak about things that they wished and hoped would happen to conservatives, sometimes that's quite nasty as well. And generally they were empty threats, but they could be fear inducing to someone. So I think, you know, it happens on both sides. Both sides are targeted and both sides are the targeter i guess is the word i don't know Uh, targets yeah yeah like they're the ones targeting and they're also the ones that could be targeted so it's um i think it's um it's just extremism you know in in any sense it's just wrong yeah but yeah it's hard to watch someone praise a man that maybe makes a person like maybe justin trudeau is so good for her but for someone else, maybe they've only had negative. Mm-hmm. So how could they not react? Right. And like, I mean, and I'll be real too. Like Rachel isn't like an innocent bystander, like someone who's just like regular person, just minding their own business. She is someone who is advocated for people who didn't get vaccinated to lose their jobs. Yes. She advocate, like she's advocated for these things yes. that have ruined people's lives as well. And that's not, that is beyond journalism. Yeah, that is not journalism. That's activism. Yeah. Um, And so that's what I'm saying is like, sure, like my heart definitely goes out to her for the things that she has to deal with. But you've also, again, as I've said, she's engaged in a battle, fully engaged in a battle 
that has affected people's lives in a huge way. Yeah. And so for her to act surprised of what's going on, I'm like, you have to know when you're screwing with people's lives, it's going to come back to you. And I think, I guess that does surprise me that she's surprised that things have gotten so hectic as she's, you know, added to the toxic culture of our politics over the past two to three years. Yeah. Um, and now it's just coming back on her and she doesn't like that. Right. You know, um, as I said, I don't want any of this for anybody. I don't think anyone should be dealing with threats. I don't think anyone should be fearing for their lives. But that is where we are at in this country now because of our prime minister's rhetoric. I'll start with him. Um, and because of journalists supporting him and putting other people under their boot. We all, we, we've seen full on headlines in major news outlets in this country saying, do we tolerate these people? Should we allow them to, to be here? <laughs> to, to be a free functioning Canadian. <laughs> yeah. And so as a journalist in this country, who's pushed further on the push more on the left side, you've engaged in that. Um, and now it's coming to your doorstep and it's scary. I understand. I couldn't literally only understand, like I can't fully grasp what she's dealing with. It must be scary. Um, but like, this is what you've engaged in. And this is, this is the temperature that our country's at right now. Yeah. Um, it's not good. And I just hope that some people can start just chilling out. Um, and relaxing, but the problem is the one who leads our country isn't doing that. So it usually starts with him. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Crap doesn't run uphill. No. <laughs> Your favorite go-to. That's truth, man. And it just feels that way with this prime minister where it's just like, like really like policies, I would say affect the, the, like the, like low, and middle the most, like 100%. It's never the top or the elite that are really affected. Like their life, we said this last episode, their life goes on. Yeah. So it's like when you make statements like the unvaccinated should really just like not really even be Canadian. Like they, they should really have no rights. They should have a job. They shouldn't be able to go into stores. They shouldn't be able to do things. It's like, well, that's like the, like, that's a majority of, there's, a, there is like a populace of Canadians that is a substantial amount. It's not just three people. Like yeah. there are Canadians all over the country who may not be vaccinated. Or maybe have one or two or whatever, because it's none of my business. And yeah, it's like you're, you're toying with people's lives who are already struggling. You know why? Why are you making it harder? <laughs> mm-hmm. Work can be hard to find. Work that pays a living wage can be really hard to find. Why are you? Wh- why are you putting hurdles in front of other Canadians? What do you get from that? Yeah. Shouldn't we be help like well, shouldn't we be helping each other? And it's like, well, we have different like I cannot like the people say, well, uh, like just tell me now if you're unvaccinated so I can unfollow you on Instagram. It's like, dog, st- stop announcing your departure and leave. Just go. Mm-hmm. You're pathetic. It's like you're the one. That's I promise. At the end of the day, it's like that's such a bad take. Hear the like. Uh, I don't even say hear the person out because I just don't even think we should be talking about it. Who cares if it's your friend or even if it's not your friend and you have a, a friend who needs your help or a Canadian who needs your help. And it's like, you have the opportunity to help them or take, tear them down over a medical decision. And you choose to do the latter. It's like, that's weird. That is so strange to me. Yeah. And the fact that I was encouraged, like the words the prime minister used was misogynistic, racist, um, 
bigoted or like often as as describing um, anti-vaxxers. Yeah. And, and, and also lied about it in the inquiry. Right. Which is the proceedings happening right now where he said he did not say that. Yeah. But it's literally on record. Yeah. Which is crazy. I think, did they play it for him? No, no, no. But they, 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 they read out the quote. Right. And he literally said, I didn't say that. (laughs) He also spoke in French for the first 25, 30 minutes. Yeah. Super funny. (laughs) Um, but, you know, when you have a prime minister who says that just because you may decide to make a medical decision for yourself that you're all these nasty things, it's like, well, maybe I can't blame the Canadians for feeling that type of way. It's like you are supposed to follow the leader. Mm-hmm. So maybe it's not really inherently their fault. You know, <laughs> you've got a, a prime minister saying that we're those things. You know? Yeah. Yeah, like it's. Yeah, and you, and you wonder why the temperature has, has risen to such a crazy degree. And, and a part of it is because the majority of our media will not publish unflattering things about him. Yep. Um, and so everyone thinks he's doing a great job. Yep. Um, at least the people. Very similar to China. Yeah. Cannot talk about the government in a negative way. Yeah. Or at all at times. Yeah, TikTok's not a huge fan of us right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. true. Yeah. yeah, we are in TikTok jail. Yeah, yeah. We, I, I think we'll be there for a long, long time. Yeah. Uh, it's been a rough time. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, it's like, yeah, like obviously like people are going to come back and like, what are you talking about, man? You're like criticizing Trudeau right now. Like, what do you mean? And it's like, yeah, you're right. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, yeah, we can openly talk about him uh, in a negative light. But the in terms of the spotlights, like you're just not, you're not naturally going to see unflattering pieces on the prime minister here yeah like it from the major news outlets just yeah. won't happen um, we cannot provide news for the country we no. are a, a, a tiny podcast yeah and so it's like while there's many podcasts that talk about the same things as us in, there's also a majority of people they they need to see it from ctv they mm-hmm. need to see it from global for it to be real yeah and those places will not i mean uh, over a year ago we had elizabeth on the show who mm-hmm. said global which is straight up said no we're not going to air that yeah because they had a certain narrative they wanted to push. So why, so why are we believing them? <laughs> why are we believing big media? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. You know, and and I think that's where I, I I get it bugs me. Obviously, I think our culture, I think our culture, one hundred percent fractured in twenty sixteen, and it's just gotten worse since. Twenty sixteen was pivotal because that was the Donald Trump election as well in America. Yeah. And all of a sudden, the first time in my life, I was in high school, grade 12, I think. I'll, everyone was talking about American politics around me. Right. People were asking me if I like Donald Trump. I was like, whoa. whoa. <laughs> it's not my country. <laughs> it's, first of all, I don't get a say in that vote. Mm-hmm. And what if I do or don't? What's that mean for you and us? Mm-hmm. What's that mean? Why are you asking? You know? Because, I, I, yeah, it's just, it, it's not my forte to go up to someone and say, well, who are you voting for in another country? You can't even vote in, but I want to know. Yeah, why? <laughs> mm-hmm. Exactly. It's uh, I learned why. It's because I didn't want to be friends with yeah, someone who who voted for Trump. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, you know that that means that you're you know all the the craziest names in the book if you did vote for him. I remember a kid straight up in class like was like, I love Trump. Oh dude, shoot, dude! No, that, he didn't know. High school's hard enough. Yeah, dog, it did not get easier for him. <laughs> Hundred percent. Yeah. Um, did, he, did he wear the hat? No. Oh, okay. At least he was a. Uh... I mean, my dad and I had those for Halloween one year, though. Did you? Yeah. Straight up, I still have the hat. <laughs> <laughs> What'd you dress as for Halloween? I just wore the hat. <laughs> just to trigger people. 
Dude, that's actually very funny. Yeah. I mean, got it. And it worked. Yeah. In Canada. Yeah. I was like, what are you guys so bent for? <laughs> What's going on? But it, yeah, it's true. I mean, I wouldn't do that in America. Yeah. They have the right to bear arms there, man. True. <laughs> true. Which, like, speaking of which, we'll get into it here. Uh, yeah, that was C- good. BC, Bill C-21. So, uh, CFFR is the Canadian Federal... Firearm Registry. That's it. it. Firearm Registry. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. So... I was uh, obviously doing some research on Bill Sweet 21, looking up, you know, CFFR, their social handles. And I was like, huh, I have like a lot of left-leaning friends that follow the Canadian Federal Gun Entry Registry. Oh. I was like, weird. Okay. People I would expect to say, no, no, no guns to are very much pro-gun, which I thought was. Or at I, least follow an account that's yeah, related to guns. Yeah, which is I'm like. Them like it's just like it was a group of people. It was just like I have like a lot of heavy right leaning friends and then heavy left leaning friends. I was like, I shouldn't see you guys' names together on the, an account. Yeah, like it it was. It took me about a ten minutes to like really understand what I was looking at. I'm like, this doesn't make any sense. Yeah, um, but here we are, and I think that's. I think that leads me into this whole point of like the way things have gotten so crazy in this country that both sides are looking towards weapons, which continues to tell me that we are definitely in a cold civil war moving to a hot one. Uh, Cause if that's what it's like up here where we don't really have a heavy access to guns, what's it like down South of the border? Well, you could Google it dog. People start like their own militias, man. People, do you see the these? Philadelphia dude, dude, what, that that's crazy. Insane. Like that. And here's the thing. Like that's, we, we talk about guns quite frequently on the show recently. Cause there's a lot going on with them in Canada about C21. I'm all for not needing assault style weapons. They don't belong. Like yeah. th- those people, they look like they're in the military. Yeah, that's too much, dude. That's too far. I w- I was here for it. I loved it. What the heck? Yeah, man. So I guess to give people a preface, we're talking about the uh, the gas station in Philadelphia that hired private security detail, about five men with assault style weapons, just standing guard. Um, <laughs> and uh, crazy. And so, and for me, I'm like, it's crazy, and it's crazy that that has to happen. But that's my issue is that it has to happen. Totally. The fact there's so much crime in these huge American cities that that's necessary. I know. I, the reason why I liked it is because it brought more um, light to the subject of like, why does why is this gas station think this is necessary? Yeah. What's going on? They hear about all the crazy crime that are happening in these cities every day. Like and how they're the cops, held up all the time. Cops are non-existent. Because it's in cities that voted for all cops are bad, whatever it was called back then. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if there's a correlation. Like, it just it happens to be and whatever. Like there's cities that have voted for no cops or something. I don't know. Yeah, but there was also um, it was like a you know, pride parade or it was like a something for Christmas that was with the LGBT. Oh, the community. Uh, the um, yes, I know exactly what you're talking. And about. And then a, like a militia showed up to that too with their big guns. And yeah, I'm, that one was a little harder to adjust than yeah. private security guards. Yeah, that was Ohio, and that was a drag. <laughs> Typical. Uh, drag story, drag queen story hour, um, and uh, yeah. and they showed up to shut that one down. And those people were like, they were like Nazi saluting. Those were, one. yeah, those were in, that was, yeah, those guys were out like full on white supremacists. From what I would they were gathered. like Proud Boys, I think is what it's called, right? Uh, Proud Boys were in the group, right? Um, but there were, yeah, there was also like a group that was like full Nazis, on. yeah, yeah, like that is so like for people like that, it's like they are filled with hatred. They're crazy. 
and then they have access to guns. That's where I'm like, okay, we don't need those types of guns. Yeah. We also don't need those types of people. We'll lock them out. You know, <laughs> crazy Ben. Interesting. A hundred percent. Okay. They're, so I guess that comes with the debate oh, where it's like, I love a debate. Yeah. If the, so that goes back to the free speech stuff mm-hmm. is I'm not gonna lie. Like I, I have a similar emotion invoked in me and like, get these people out of here, man. Like we don't need this. Yeah. But if they're not doing anything illegal, yeah. Should we lock them up because of their ideology? Well, I mean, I would say, is it an ideology when you're yelling in their face, not just saluting and intimidating them with weapons? I guess because I'll, you can think, you can think all you want, right? But when you take a a, a stance in your own life to say, "I'm going to get dressed up in bulletproof gear, get my mm-hmm. gun, and go scream at people for the better part of a morning," you're crazy, right? That's fair. But if you sit at home and think, you know what? That's not my cup of tea. I don't like that. I wish you all died. Like that's go ahead. You're thinking in your head in your home. You're not hurting anyone. Mm. You're not casting that judgment onto others. You can just live your small, close-minded life as you're entitled to. That's fine. Right. But once you start doing that out in public, around children, around a community that probably already feels unsafe in most cities in America, mm. that's a little much. Right. To me. Totally. No, I definitely get it. Um, oh, yeah. The only reason I, I ask is because that just kind of hit me uh, today. It's a good point, though, because it's like, like they haven't done anything illegal technically. Yeah. Well, I was like, like I, I had to kind of filter through my emotions on it. I was like, like I, those people shouldn't be around. But am I now the person that I have been so annoyed by? Listen, I did, I'm I, nothing if I'm not hypocritical. <laughs> but uh, there's moments where it's justified. There's moments where hypocrisy is justified to say, I believe in free speech, but there's a, a, a subsection of free speech that I think is wrong. I think that's acceptable. Right. I mean, as long as you can stay consistent to some degree, like I'll ask you like, okay, the, how about the people that were, you know, rioting in the, in the name of BLM who did something very similar, actually, actually you also uh, damaged property on top of that. Would you feel the same? Obviously like they are committing an illegal act. They probably should be locked up for desecrating property. Well, yeah. My opinion back then was not that I think they should be locked up because they were crazy. That was not my opinion. I think they should have been arrested because they were committing crimes. Right. That's my, that was my stance with that. And mm-hmm. I think whether it was a rally for any issue, I think there's an expectation that you should be able to do it peacefully. Yeah. Um, which is why even with the convoy, anyone who, who got into people's faces and, and did anything and received punishment for that is justified. Like you cannot just because you're passionate about something, does that mean you can commit crimes? Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I think also what's important to note with the drag show and that arm stuff, that was very close after the shooting. I don't remember exactly. Oh, it was at, at the, the club, club. Q, at the club Q. It's way too close in correlation to that. So it's definitely very threatening for oh, the yeah. people there to see armed people show up outside, you know, a book reading for children. Dog. And that's what I mean. That's why I made a point to say children. It was for children. America. <laughs> well, like, I mean, there's like, there's another layer to that we could get into that's pretty spicy. But like, I'm just, pre- at this point, I'm presenting news. And don't shoot the messenger is what I'm saying. But now I'm curious because, so, and there, from those guys' perspective, they didn't show up unprovoked. From their perspective. Of course. Um, our, like that's very typical. I would say they've showed up because that there is an another side of that argument that has seen drag shows 
predators using drag shows to get to young children. Yes. And that's where all the arguments are coming in of like, enough with the drag show story hours. You know, off with their heads. Yes. You know, a, this whole Balenciaga yeah. child. Which there's like, you know, there's a degree of like validity to. Don't get me wrong. Absolutely. Um, and if you have beef with it, it's mm-hmm. like, it's the way that the, it's the way the Freedom Convoy got messed up is they put idiots in the front row to be the messengers. Mm. Whoever woke up that day and thought, let's go to this drag show to make a change about child exploitation and dress up like we're the military, bring guns and wave around Nazi fl- flags and stuff. Yeah. That's how we're going to solve this is an idiot. Right. If they had showed up as a peaceful protest and prevented them from proceeding and just remained calm, God forbid, mm-hmm. that would have been looked upon probably a lot differently. Right. Yeah. No, definitely. It's a, as I said, because there's so much conflict in our culture, there's just going to be crazy people that come out and just, and obviously they're the ones that are going to blow up on social media because each side wants to highlight the extremes of the other. Yes. And here we go. And it's like, I, I, I wish that they could see it's like, they're just kind of like, they're just in this constant game of one upping each other where it's like, well, you're exploiting children. Well, now I'm a Nazi. And it's like, what's next? Like, how far do you go until they're at war? Yeah, like physically. Well, exactly. Yeah. I think that's what spooks me. Like, it goes, goes back to the Rachel Gilmore situation, right? So she's receiving these death threats. Uh, Tim Poole, who is a journalist down in the States, mm-hmm. literally had two guys show up at his house and break in. You know, and he's a right-leaning reporter, or at least viewed as a right-leaning reporter. He would say he's a centrist. Um I view him as a right-leaning person myself, but um, it's just like he's That's getting too much. He's and he's gotten swatted like literally coming to close to a hundred times. He's been swatted. That's when they call and say you have a bomb, right? Yeah, right, exactly. And and so it's just like he's just like and the cops, same as Rachel said, the cops do nothing. Yeah, There's nothing they can do, and. Uh, and so that's why I'm like, that's why with Rachel, I'm like, I get that's happening to you and the people in your bubble. That's also happening to people on the other side of the aisle and, and journalists on the other side of the aisle. Uh, and so for her, like, I think that one thing that bothered me about her TikTok video was that she, again, she ma- made it about identity politics. Women, people of color who yeah. are journalists. Yeah. I'm like, no, it's literally happening to anybody of any color who happens to be a journalist as well. Yes. Um, it's anyone who is pro- Perpetuating free speech yeah. and free media mm-hmm. is the target. Yeah. It is not identity politics in this case. Exactly. Oh, I'm sure. I would I'm sure some yeah, people. Uh, of yeah. course, in, in anything where people are targeted, there is generally a higher disposition to minorities. Yeah. That is just typically how targeting works. Mm-hmm. But to say that it's only those, I think is not true. Yeah. Exactly. And so as I'm it's just like normal people are getting caught. In the cross and the crossfire of a lot of this. Didn't and someone comment in our TikToks once and wanted to blow this place up? Yeah, that happened. Like, and we're just a TikTok from Halifax. Yeah. Like, uh, so when people start seriously reporting news, it's like that is scary. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's spooky. Especially like, it's one thing even for me where you know, like, I like that we do the show together. Yeah. So like, it's easier to take stuff on the chin when you're with somebody, but people are on their own. It's a different game. Because then you're because all then you've got then is your head. Yeah. And you're trying to sleep at night. And you hear one creak or something. Like, I'm sure it's hard to be alone at night mm-hmm. when you've had, like, threats that serious, you know. Yeah. Um, so it's like to be in a business relationship and then be, you know, have a partner at home, it's like that definitely helps. Yeah. Um, but you know, then all of a sudden it's like, well, 
uh, I still don't like it. It still feels kind of gross. And mm-hmm. how come you, that's the only way that you can voice your frustration is by threatening someone. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the same as the stuff with the, the drag uh, book reading. It's yeah. like, why'd you go right to violence? Why would mm-hmm. you go right to extreme? Totally. How you, you, there's nowhere in between. You thought you could have made it, made an ample point. You had to go right there. Well, I think that's kind of where we're getting stuck now these days. Is I I think I think a lot of people are being shut down. The heard. The voice is being shut. They're yeah. not feeling heard. Yeah. Um. You see all the the shenanigans around the U.S. election that happened. Um. And the fact that because of the way the Canadians the Canadian elections are set up, that Trudeau is guaranteed to win pretty much. Mm-hmm. Um, like people are becoming, I was like, okay, they're at the point where elections don't work anymore. Now we have to try something else to get our point across. Yeah. And that's where you see an escalation of violence and threats. Yeah. Well, cause in election, that's a great way to put it is elections don't work anymore. It's because yeah, if you don't feel heard at the ballots, they're going to feel heard mm-hmm. somehow. Yeah. You know, and when a government is not willing to budge, or even let's say adjust the way the electoral system works. If, if enough can, like, why isn't there a vote on how you think voting works? Yeah. Why is that not up to us? Exactly. You told us how voting works. Mm-hmm. Well, that's oh. why. That's why you know people obviously give Trudeau a hard time because that was his one of his campaign promises was electoral reform. Yep. Then he got in and he's like, yeah, I like it a little too much. Yeah. I'm like, you know, we we should keep this system. Yeah. Um, and that's like, I was just talking about this with some friends the other day. We were talking about the Canadian system and it really is like heavily reliant on Ontario because they have the most amount of ridings. Um, and it's like, if you win Ontario, you win the country Mm -hmm. for the most part. Like the fact that Nova Scotia, the province of Nova Scotia of a million people out like is, is literally has the same amount of ridings as Alberta is crazy to me. That makes no sense. But here we are. So, and I, and I actually, I want to make sure I'm right on this. Philip, can you just double check the ridings in Alberta versus the ridings in Nova Scotia? I'm pretty sure I'm accurate on this. There we go. All right, so Alberta's got 34 seats. Oh, sorry, Atlantic Canada then. Sorry, Atlantic Canada as a whole has as many seats as Alberta does. So that's what it was. Got it. Um, but Ontario has 121. The next whoa, the next closest one is Quebec with seventy eight, and Quebec usually wins by uh, you got the, block. the block. Yeah, you got the block. So that's a, isn't that such a wow? So, they know that Quebec will never vo- not vote block. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they know Alberta will always vote conservative, so they just make sure Ontario is good at one hundred twenty one seats, and you've pretty much got everything else beat. Yeah, like, God forbid you're from Yukon, because you know, like you know, British Columbia is usually going to go left anyways. But that's the thing is like. Almost every Canadian election, once they once they've made it past Ontario, they call it. They're into Mont like and Manitoba. They call it because yeah. like by the time you get to Alberta, BC, you know how they're voting. Like it's just like okay, like that's how broken our electoral system is here in this country. Yeah, I know. Is, so you wonder why people don't feel heard? Well, it's like you know, Ottawa's. That's why this whole issue with Alberta versus Ottawa is going on right now. Mm-hmm. You know. And uh, and it shows you the politics that are happening. So obviously, there's been an issue with children Tylenol getting into the country, and uh, and Similac is that yeah. that's baby food, right? Yep, not on the shelves. Yep, not on the shelves. And so Alberta, so um, 
Danielle Smith has like worked out a job, like worked out a deal. She was able to get a bunch of Tylenol into Alberta. But I was like, I was sitting back and I was like, I wonder how this is going to work. Because you need to get that over the federal border. Mm. And little did I know, federal uh, federal border is playing politics. And they're actually causing issues of getting the Tylenol into the province. That shows you how stupid politics is. Like, for what? What does that get us? It leaves me feeling like really like empty. Where it's like you're playing politics with kids, literally. literally. They kids need to be sh- like they've got other things to worry about until they're eighteen. Yeah, because after eighteen, it's like they, don't worry, they're gonna get it on the chin the yeah. second they turn eighteen. Yeah, all of a sudden they're gonna have four credit cards and they're gonna be in debt. <laughs> so at least let them get over friggin' flu with some Tylenol. Yeah, and that was the thing is, like, I just didn't understand all the arguments that are coming out about, like, Danielle Smith. Like, I think it was amazing that she landed this deal for, you know, her province. Because she gets things done. Yeah, imagine that. And But, like, I saw a lot of, like, liberal reporters who were like, well, you put so much effort into getting, you know, Tylenol. How about you put that much effort into preventative medicine? And it's like, how about uh, you don't, how about you not need a babysitter and just do what you're supposed to do as a parent and take care of your child. Like they just need the freaking Tylenol dude. Like, Holy smokes. And it's such an out of touch response where it's like when parents right now are working at minimum one job each, maybe more, they probably only have one vehicle right now. Cause that's all you can afford. They have to buy groceries for their children. And now they're broke. The last few dollars they have, they want to buy cold medicine for their sick kid because Remember, kids catch colds in real life. This isn't, we're not going to wear masks forever when no one gets sick. People get sick. Yeah. And you need Tylenol. Yeah. And then the government just say, blockade, F- FDA, whatever it's called here, last inspect or whatever it is, and then say, you should just look into preventative medicine for children. Uh, who's got the time? <laughs> we're dying here. Yeah. We're <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> Yeah, it, it doesn't make any sense. And like I uh, like one, there is one reporter I saw. He's based out of Ottawa, mm. and he was he actually got me like. There's very few times I actually get upset when I'm viewing things online. This one actually made me mad. I've seen him for months. As yeah. I've been following him. He's just tearing up like everything. Anything on the conservative side just tears up. And then and then, like everything on the conservative side is a is a. Is a um, Conspiracy theory day. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But then this Tylenol stuff started ha- hitting. And Health Canada came out and said there's there's no issue with Tylenol. There's no Tylenol shortages in the country. And, or said something along those lines. And he comes out on Twitter and he's like, I've gone to five different stores to find Tylenol for my child. And Health Canada says this isn't an actual issue. I feel like I'm being gaslit by the government. And I was like, Oh, you feel like you are? No, I, I promise you, you are. <laughs> it's happening to all of us. I think I, I, it was at that point I was like, you're not a journalist. You're fake. You literally have like, you, you, your whole point of being a journalist is going beyond your purview and seeing what's going on in the world. And the fact that you're just like, no, nothing of that, none of that's happening. Until it happens to you, come on, man. Like, now it's happening to you. Oh, maybe the government doesn't have my best interest at heart. Wow, this is shocking. Isn't it your job to go and find out if they do? Like, I don't not just push a narrative that is being like what? Yeah, like a, a journalism is supposed to uncover the truth, right? Like that's like what were those things on, on Canadian CBC? Um, 
oh, what was it called? Like they would do like deep dives into things or uh, oh, what were they called? I forget what those things were called. They go undercover, yeah. like they would yeah, they yeah, get yeah. to the bottom of things. Right, yeah. That's journalism, right? Like mm-hmm. it's like you 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 even if you have to lie, like mm-hmm. journalism's get to the truth. Yeah. And it's like now journalism's just like they get they find a an, a news source and they're like, That's good. Retweet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's that's your news. Yeah. Exactly. And also it's on their blog, like they wrote it. And they're just like did you go how did you determine what's in your article? How did you how did you get to that? Yeah, exactly. You don't see that nowadays. And then you start seeing the tweet about their personal lives, and then you're just like, wow, I actually don't take anything you say seriously anymore because you didn't take these issues seriously until it affected you at your doorstep. Now you're struggling to help your kids get over a flu and you can't. And the government's not there to help you. You know, you know, the babysitter Justin isn't there to help you. Oh, surprise, surprise. You're on your own, buddy. Come on. It was a sad scene watching parents like <laughs> they look like junkies like crushing up adult Advil to try and like mix it into honey to give their kids and I'm like, what is going on? Yeah. Like that's where we're at. It's like pharmacists were like keeping it behind the counter, yeah, and just making sure you only got one because people were like hoard buying, and that's we turn into sick people. Humans can be sick, yeah. hoard buying it, selling it on Kijiji, this that and everything. It's like wow. It felt just like the toilet paper debacle of 2020, like crazy. Yeah. Nuts. Here we go. I guess we'll go back to uh, Bill C-21. Yeah, man. That was a long stray away, but. uh, (laughs) We came, we ride back. Um, So, yeah. So, big gun bill came down the pipe. Yeah. Well, I mean, this has kind of been in motion now really since 2020. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the. The government makes no bones about the fact that the Portapix shooting is the reason that this has really um, spurred about. Yeah, um, they don't really try and hide the fact that that's the reason why. Within two days, Justin Trudeau had all of his powerful peeps on the phone talking about how they were going to use this to um, ban firearms. Uh, to an extent, no problem. Like I said, um, automatic rifles. I don't see need for those. That I just don't personally think those belong in personal you know, homes. <laughs> That's my opinion. Um, but they've continued to made adjustments. Like throughout time, they'd add more guns to the list and people could go, and if you own the gun, you'd be notified. Like the, a gun you own has been added to the list. Da, 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 da. And then just last week, they added in a bunch of handguns and a bunch of hunting rifles <laughs> in, in, into the, to the ban list. So it's like, okay, um, you never told us that was coming about, and now they've released an article, or at least a statement, I guess you'd call it, saying there are no hunting rifles in the mix. Like, um, we're reviewing it carefully. Da 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 da. Basically, we got caught. We're gonna take them out. Whatever. I don't even know if they're gonna or if they're just denying that they're in there because they don't determine it as a hunting rifle. Um, either way, they're they're finding a way to sort of beat around this bush. But we looked at the picture today. Um, and this is um, based off an article from Sudbury.com, which notes a Ruger number one rifle, um, which is a pretty standard hunting rifle, um, that's been added to the Bill C-21 list. And then the pictures here, which I'm sure we can put in, which shows that it is um, literally a bolt action. <laughs> Dang. <laughs> bolt action, Yo. one round firearm. One round. <laughs> Dang. There's not even a clip. You just load a bullet in every time you wish to fire the gun. Gee. <laughs> uh, 
yeah, it comes in a variety of calibers, um, but it's not semi-auto, you know, from small to big game, depending on the caliber. So, um, you know, no one's shooting up a grocery store with a hunting rifle. Yeah. You know. I think the issue I, I come up with is like, we'll, we'll, we'll pull up the carry price post here. Yeah. This uh, was an interesting uh, post to see from him. Yeah. I didn't expect that. No, I definitely didn't expect it either. He's obviously, he's always been, had a very quiet demeanor. Yeah. Uh, and that's just, that's just been him since I've been watching him since he was 18 years old playing hockey. Um, and he's just, he's a competitor, but like him to a come out in public in general to talk is mm-hmm. big um, for it to be a, a po- like something that's perceived as po- political is huge. Yeah. Um, and as many who have probably read it already, but we'll read it here. Cause I love my family. I love my country and I care for my neighbor. I am not a criminal or a threat to society. What Justin Trudeau is trying to do is unjust. I support the CCFR to keep my hunting tools. Thank you for listening to my opinion. That my friends is probably the most Carrie price phrase I've heard in my life. Just beginning middle and thank you for listening to my you. opinion. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Even thanked us. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's just like, and he makes up a great point. Like, when he's coming out, you know you're screwing up. You know things are, there's an overreach happening. Um, and I, what I was not surprised, but surprised at the same time was obviously everyone's reaction to him. Oh, yeah. yeah. They were ripping on him as so, so, so quick. As soon as he wasn't on their side uh all of a sudden he has all the issues in the world yeah um and i remember i, I saw one uh, another journalist who oh, said pretty much said you know he should just shut up and play hockey and uh and everyone's like right really like do you say the same thing about lebron james and uh and he's like well it's a difference when like you have people in sports who, who make uh who comment on things where they um they're not ignorant on i was like he's literally hunter yeah he's literally speaking from his experience and how this affects him like are you kidding me so it's just like it, it was really dumb and i think i'm just kind of frustrated by the whole thing in general and it's clear a we all see it. it's a clear overreach um it's by a this huge government. overreach they're overstepping way beyond yeah and this is this has been this government's mo from day one we just yeah. we know they they keep they push a little until they end up having a lot so this is interesting and i, I didn't know how much we were going to touch on the topic so i didn't include it but now i'm uh, i will at least show you this is a history lesson yet. So this uh, it's a it's called a history lesson for educational purposes, um, and it's uh, regarding guns in uh, Canada. And so in 1913, in Canada, you were required to have a permit to carry a handgun. And there's like a ton of dates. So I'll 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 go beyond. And to 1979, you introduced screening and safety courses. Um, What's another one? In 1969, you designed the classification system so certain firearms could be prohibited on a whim. We complied. There was no discernible reduction in violent crime. 1938, you required us to renew our registration every five years. We complied. There was no discernible reduction in violent crime. In 1995, you introduced licensing to have and buy firearms and to buy ammunition. We complied. There was no discernible reduction in violent crime. In 2001, licensing became mandatory. Again, no discernible reduction in crime. In 2015, you introduced firearm prohibitions for those convicted of domestic violence. We complied. There was no discernible reduction. In 2019, the Canadian government passed Bill C-71, which would pave the way for circumventing Parliament and to ignore the experts' analysis, law enforcement, firearm, firearms, functional experts, community groups, etc., 
which you claim to base policies on, in any further restrictions. We complied. There was no discernible reduction in violent crime. In 2020, they prohibited 1,500 models of firearms for absolutely no reason other than political pandering and cowardice in addressing escalating violent crime. In 2021, you reduced judicial consequences for those illegally using their illegally acquired and already prohibited firearms. It didn't affect us as it didn't apply to us, and violent crime rates continue to climb. And now here we are today, basically. Um, they banned the sale, purchase, and transfer of handguns, and now we're here. So it's throughout history, the Canadian government has slowly, slowly, slowly introduced barriers, red tape, and introduced laws to circumvent parliamentary acts regarding firearms so the government could just do what they want on a whim. And here we are with them taking advantage of those abilities. Surprise, surprise. Yeah. This dates back to 1913. Crazy, eh? Yeah, it's... uh, I've said it time and time again. I'm not a firearm owner. Never shot a gun in my life. Right. But I 100% support the right of my fellow Canadians who do want to own one. Absolutely. Um, And so I'm not a fan of this. And... That's uh, what it stands for. Yeah. Like, it's... You're just overstepping and getting away with it? Yeah. And that's just like that's that's been their thing. They just continue to strip away our rights. We miss a penny on our tax return, and we are caught immediately. Mm-hmm. But you steal away fundamental parliamentary rights that date back over a hundred years, and it's you know, we'll think about it. Our politicians are not supposed to work for us. <laughs> that's it's supposed to be right. What's going on? Yeah, uh, I think what we're seeing uh, is, goes back to the issue that we've talked about numerous times. Um, the uh, the work that's being done with the World Economic Forum, I think that's a part of this. Mm-hmm. Um, they've been very clear, the West's been very clear, that their model is based off of China uh, and how they can deal with their citizens. And yep. this is a part of that. It's like if you can strip an, a, enough away from the everyday person, then you just they just become a part of a cog in a system. Yes, a and, number. Yeah, and that's a, uh, we just need obedient children so we can just keep doing whatever we want to do. Yep. And, you know, we just... We follow the leader. Yeah, limit limit what they can do and limit individuality. Yep. And I think that's I think that's part of this. And I say I think because I'm just trying to be as open minded as possible internally. I think I think that is the issue, but I don't have any proof of it. Well, it does make sense where it's like if you start slowly stripping away the people's right to hunt. Hunting is something in a Canadian family that typically is like passed down, you know. Self-sustaining too. Self-sustaining, where it's like, uh, my father hunts, my grandfather hunted. I don't choose or love to hunt, but I've gone, I've gone with them, and you know, and it's not for me. But it was something that my dad was excited to share with me, and so he had the opportunity and legal right to share that with me. So then it's let's say, let's say when I get older, I'm. I'm have a different lifestyle or, uh, you know, I'm whatever. And I decide I want to start hunting. And one day I have children is, is, is what they're doing now a way to basically prevent me from passing that down. So future generations don't even know what hunting is. Right. And does this come right back to your point of self-sustaining? Do they not want us to rely on our own means to gather food? Why are they attacking hunters and farmers? (laughs) Why are they attacking our, our, yeah, yeah. Yeah, hunters, farmers, anything that coming coming into the country, our own oil. Yeah, what what is wrong with self sustainment? Yeah, they're pushing it. 
if COVID made anything more clear, it should have that we should be more self-sustaining. But we should not rely on imports. Yeah, but this government has pushed us into more globalization. Yep. And making us rely on others. Obviously, yeah, obviously. A, a WEF principle. Yeah, it's on, pur- it's on purpose. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I think people should make us think about it. And there's, you know, there's journalists, I've, as I said, I've, I've watched and looked at who won't say anything until it comes, hits their doorstep. And that's unfortunately be too late for them. Yep. Um, and that's what's happened with this whole Tylenol thing, too. And so, you know, I'm not a huge fan of people who are cheering this on because um, if you're for the cause, you're for every cause. Yeah, you have to be. You have to be. You have to be. Um, you know, and I, I, I definitely feel for my indigenous friends you know, through this too, because I, I have friends who, who are living on reservation um, and hunting is actually how they live. Literally. Yeah. Because they're not getting any support from the government for anything. No. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, aside from the things that they're supposed to have promised them through the treaties and stuff like that, but even then they have, the government struggles to live up to those. Yep. You know, it's just like. Now that said, I mean, um, indigenous Canadians can hunt out of season, yeah. if I'm not mistaken, and there's no, uh, limit yeah and it is the uh same with their fishing they mm-hmm. can fish out of season and there's no limit with their moderate livelihood yeah um but now they don't have the weapons to to do it yeah you take away their we- so what now great they can hunt yeah and they, remember they hunt to eat yeah but it's uh you're, you're taking away the like what it, you can't go well they'll say you can hunt with a bow mm-hmm. so maybe that's all that's left so my, like my dad does have a bow and it's like, okay, when does that get, when when do bows get introduced into a gray area? Yeah. Probably already talking about it. Right. And how are they going to spin that, I wonder? Yeah. And it, and anyone who's doubting what we're saying or what we're talking about, just take a, take a second to think. Why are they going after guns in, who are held by legal people, yet nothing has been done to deal with the illegal imports across our, our, our border? Yeah. Nothing. And all the violent crime that's happened, or I should say the majority of the violent crime, but the ones that have made the news. And remember, the one that prompted this yeah, in Nova Scotia. Was committed with illegal guns. From America. So y'all can shut up. Because that's, cra- that's it's crazy. It's the craziness. process to become, we've talked, we sound like a broken record. Talking we are. Talking yeah, about how hard it is to become a licensed gun owner in Canada. Yeah, straight up. And the people who... who yeah, it's yeah, it's just um, you're putting the the eggs in the wrong basket. It's like we could be cracking down on how illegal guns get brought into the country, yeah. invest tons of money into that. Mm-hmm. But whenever you start to mention the border, like God forbid, we mention like heavier border control because then you are a racist. Yeah, and so we're not going to worry about the border. We're going to worry about law abiding, legal gun owners who have bought weapons. Um, from authorized sellers who paid HST on them, su- supplied and and contributed to an economic cycle, um, did everything the right way, to be told that if you can, t- like if you don't hand in the gun that you paid with your money, you're a criminal. You because you will need a special type of license that's only for special approval. Yeah. So if you don't hand over the weapon, all of a sudden you wake up one day and you're a criminal. And the last thing I'll say on this too is everyone who's attacking Carey Price over this, the it's funny how I haven't seen anyone attack him for his his what he said. Right. Everyone's attacked him. It's like how dare he post this near the pol- the anniversary of the Polytechnic um, anniversary of the shooting? I was like, 
What a what's wit. that? What? Uh, Edit, edit that reaction out just for his own sake. Um, yeah, Paul Technic was the shooting that took place in Montreal, I think, back in the 70s. Oh. Uh, the man who went in and shot up a, uh, I think it was an all-women's university because he didn't believe women should have education. That uh, wasn't an all-women's, but he was mainly targeting. Oh, you don't have to edit my reaction. I mean, I'm, I don't, I didn't know. Yeah. Okay, cool. I just want to make sure. Yeah, well, I mean. You're uh, okay with it. There, yeah, there is, a, there is a movie that's very graphic about it. Uh, it's called Polytechnic. Yeah. Yeah. I literally have never once heard about that. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's the uh, the second, obviously, deadliest, deadliest mass shooting in our country's history. Understood. Yeah. Got it. And so, obviously, he posted near that yeah, anniversary. Anniversary. Date. But, yeah, I guess my point with that is what a way to try to reframe what he's saying. You make it about something else when he's that's not what he's talking about. Right. He's talking about hunting. Why did you make it about a mass shooting? Yeah. Right. Oh, see, so that's that's why I said what's that is because yeah. I didn't understand that that had nothing right. to do with hunting. Yeah, yeah exactly. literally. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But that's that, that's the that's how the left reframes this is they t- turn you into a bad person because on um, based on their rules and their principles and right. not on what you actually said. No one has gone back to Carrie's post and been like, oh, he said there that is that's disrespectful. And it's like, no, because you, you, there's nothing you can say about what he said was bad. But you have to reframe it so it looks bad, and you, right. take, you make it about an issue that's really doesn't what it's not about. So, yeah, yeah. Again, because he's—I mean, it's like it's a post about the government overstepping. It's not him saying mm-hmm. the ban on assault-style weapons is wrong. Because mm-hmm. he, maybe he agrees with that. Yeah, he's saying that they're overstepping. They're—they're they're coming too close to law-abiding citizens. Yeah, that's not right. Yeah, and I guess the reason why I also re- like I respond the way uh, to that is because I haven't seen word of it but people are saying people are upset with carrie because he had the same reaction he's like what what is polytechnic he didn't know what it was and for someone who played for the canadians and what that happened in montreal everyone really harped on him about it again only harped on about that issue and didn't talk about this and so it just shows you uh when you are you know if you are debating with your friends or debating with people uh who are the opposite you know uh political persuasion if they make it about something that you didn't say, then just end the conversation and end the argument because that's that's not going. You're going down a dicey road. You're not. You're, they're not arguing in good faith. Yeah. At that point. Uh, so just keep an eye out for that. And lastly, but not least, we'll just hit that. We had to hit this only quickly. Of um, course. Is obviously all the made issues, like just um, the uh, medically assisted de- deaths. Yeah, that, man. It's just like the fact that that's you know there's people having serious medical issues in this country, and the only response the government's giving these people is we can give you made. Like, it's not crazy, dude. It's literally like the government, the government turned into the ultimate COD lobby and said KYS. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> yo, pull up this tweet right here. Pull up that tweet right now. Kill yourself is either an insult that will get you kicked off Twitter or a health advice from the Canadian government. <laughs> True. True. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, like you've got to hit back to the CBC article. Sorry, Philip, we're making do some exercises here. Um, medically assisted deaths could save millions in healthcare spending. That's uh, what they frame it as saving money. Yeah. So you, everyone coming at us saying, why should you defund the CBC? Is because they're pushing this crap out. <gasps> so a human life, a crop, a journal, 136.8 million in savings. So that's how we're going to fix the healthcare. Yeah. We're just going to let people kill themselves. Yeah, we're going to actually help them kill themselves. Wow. Problem solved, y'all. That's how they frame that of how much money they're going to save. Yeah, dude. That's what's going to fix what healthcare and, and housing, and this is from your government news station. 
you know the you know all the where all public funds go where all the you know unbiased journalism is get my face oh my gosh yeah gee that's that can't be allowed that can't like that that can't that, you, you cannot frame that as cost savings <laughs> like to me it like man that's crazy what if, what if during the pandemic what if during the pandemic we said, you know what? We're not going to do any vaccines. We're just going to let people live their lives. And that would be a great cost savings. Let people die. What if that was the message during the pandemic? Because this whole, the whole medical problem that we have in this country, that's a different type of pandemic. Yes. And that's more, I should say, that's, an, that's endemic at this point. And that's another issue that's literally killing people more than that other thing did. So I'm just saying. Wow. G, G, G. And that's how we're going to end that show. There's so much to get into, but we are on life support here. So oh, uh, no pun intended. Oh, all the pun intended. <laughs> Who am I kidding? G, G. Oh, man. We love you all. So whatever it is you're doing, you be accessing made. Oh, my. Or um, turning over your firearm to the Canadian government. <laughs> uh, going to book reading. Oh, true. <laughs> that is so racist, Phil. Whatever it is you're doing, <laughs> wherever you are, we love we're you. We're out. Peace. All right, we're back, suckers. Uh, we're here with audio only. Cameras are off, but uh, we wanted to hit this last thing before the show. The reason why we had to cut off rel- rather immediately is because we forgot our power adapter for our computer tonight, and our computer was about to die. <laughs> so we're back. We're just going to end with this last little thing. Um, obviously, we were just talking about made and kind of the CBC, and I thought this kind of filtered well into uh, this. There, it was a counter signal article against a right leaning article, but mm-hmm. they they took direct. Um, quotes from what happened. So Elon Musk was doing a Twitter space talking about yes. how they should, you know, tag different things. So you, um, but uh, Musk supports slapping state-affiliated label on CBC, and so um, he was asked, you know, about these different labels, and he's like, you know, how foreign media is labeled on Twitter often as Russian state-controlled media. One asks Musk. And he's like, why don't we do the same thing in the U.S. with all these media organizations that are telling us to go to war? You know why we don't label them as well, like U.S. government state media. I think that's a good idea, Musk responded during a, Q- a live Q&A on Saturday. He's like, could you imagine CBC just being like, this is Canadian state-controlled media? Oof. That would look very different. So, like, blue check mark and then state-controlled media. Yeah. Yikes. That would be awesome. And I think it's justified. It, it's not a lie. No. It's not a lie. No. I think there's true. a right to know that the new source you're gaining your information from is um, controlled by a government. Yeah. I think that's why I found so, like, again, when people were just railing on Keegan a few weeks back about, you know, that, that t- on that TikTok video. Yeah. It's like, why would you guys want to defund the CBC? And I'm like, because cause everyone has this idea that CBC is still... Uh, these people at 40 years of age think this is still a thing that they are unbiased, balanced media organization. Yeah. You're only as unbiased as who fills out your check, you know? Absolutely.
Sorry to say. And who fills out your boss's check? Yeah. Like the reporter is the, the, the reporter is like the drug dealer in a scenario of like a cartel. Yeah. They, they don't get, they don't get to call the shots. The journalism's the people on air do not get to call the shots. They are told by a string of people what we're going to talk about tonight. Yeah, exactly. And like, you know, if I worked for the CBC, I don't think I would be allowed to do a story about what's going on in China. No, there, there, there would be reasons why, and they would not outright say you cannot do that. No. There would be reasons why that would not be beneficial to the Canadian climate. Yeah. Yeah, you know, or, or, or it could be internal politics. Like, oh, sorry, we just don't have the manpower to put you on that type of story right now. Like, could we actually just put you over on this? Right. Like, internal politics happen, too. Yeah. Uh, that kind of mask the intentions yeah. of why, so. Nuts. I'm all for that on Twitter, though. Yeah, we're here for it. Boom, we're here for it. We gave you a nice three minutes of extra content, <laughs> boys. We love you guys. So whatever it is you're doing, well, you know, we already did this. So. And we're out. Peace.